WeTime meets MeTime, where magic meets the sea on a Disney cruise. Adults can relax and enjoy dedicated spaces designed just for them. Indulge in a massage at Census Spa or take a dip in Quiet Cove, an adult-exclusive pool. Don't worry, the kids are having some me-time of their own at incredible kids' clubs. And there's amazing we-time, like entertainment, imaginative dining, character encounters, and more around every corner. A magical vacation at sea awaits on Disney Cruise Line. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All on one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Challenges push us into presence. In this podcast, Eckhart answers questions on how to deal with death for ourselves and those we love. He says it's critical that we break the taboo so we can overcome our fear. Eckhart proposes that when we are faced with the possibility of a very limited future, the ultimate question is not whether or not we will survive, but instead allow the situation to push us towards higher consciousness. He says it's possible to transcend our fear to reach a state of deeper presence. Hello, thank you for taking my question. I am an oncology nurse. Um, I've also just recently had two friends diagnosed with cancer. And this week I had a uh, friend who passed away from ALS that she lived with for 14 years. So I, I deal a lot with disease and, and end of life. But I've never understood people who use uh, their faith, you know, they, they feel that um, in order to be cured, um, they must have a strong faith. And if their disease isn't cured, or they die, it's because they did not believe strong enough. And I was always puzzled by that attitude, because I felt like if you have a strong faith in God, why are you so afraid to go and meet him? Um, and even as a young child, I never liked the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It, it just always puzzled me. And I remember you saying at one time, I heard like when you were talking about spiritual healing, eventually everybody's going to die. So it, it just bothered me why, why Jesus didn't let Lazarus die. Um, so, and, and I just find that sometimes people are so afraid of dying that they cannot enjoy living. But on the other hand, I, I'm not suggesting that we all forgo any kind of treatments and run off and commit suicide. But I just, how do we balance how much treatment we should go with when to decide if we're presented with a situation? How, how do we decide, you know, should I go for treatment, try treatment? How far do you go? You try a certain treatment if it stops working. I'm often um, stuck on how to talk with people. I'm, I'm pretty good about talking to people about end of life and, and options. But if someone is presented with a choice, 
I don't always know how to present it. If my thoughts would be to go with end-of-life hospice care, and it's not something that they wish, I'd want to sound callous, but I also want to be supportive of them. And how much, and it's a term I hate, people say fight with cancer or a fight against whatever disease they have, but how much fight are we supposed to give to, to stay in this world? Yes, thank you. Good question. Yes, it's interesting what you said about Lazarus. He was raised from the dead, and a few years later he died, <laughs> undoubtedly. <Yeah. laughs> um, unless, of course, the entire story is symbolic of something else, which, of course, is, that's another matter. But uh, mm -hmm. again, the, the most important uh, thing for our civilization perhaps or one of the most important things is to become more familiar with death because death is a, such a taboo still in our society, mostly. It's rarely talked about. Nobody can recommend, of course, if, if you mentioned um, somebody falling ill and uh, the various things you mentioned. One is to have faith that you will be cured. Sometimes that works. Some people do become cured of cancer. They cure themselves through faith or whatever it is, presence. In other cases, they don't. I would say that when you are faced with a potentially fatal illness, when you know that there is a condition in your body that might kill you, Ultimately, because everybody has a condition in their body that will kill you, it's called time. So that's a virus that nobody escapes <laughs> on a physical level. So if you, you know, you become aware of mortality, that's already, that can be a dreadful thing, impending mortality or the possibility of mortality approaching before you're really old, that uh, can be very frightening for many people. And if you're religious, have your religious beliefs, then you might think if I have enough faith or I pray enough, I will get cured. And sometimes you may get cured and at other times you will not. So my advice if for anybody, and perhaps you can pass it on in some way, uh, when coming into contact with people who are in the in that situation, when you are faced with the possibility of imminent death or death or a very limited future, if the doctor tells you you, you only have one year or maybe two, that initially can be a dreadful thing. But within the context of this teaching, which is the, any true spiritual teaching, the ultimate thing is not whether or not you survive and you die a few years later rather than in a year's time. The ultimate thing is that you use that situation or that condition to force you into a, one could say, higher state of consciousness or deeper state of consciousness. When you have little or no future, you think, I may not have any more future or very little. 
Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All of one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. That at first is a dreadful thing because the usual anti egoic entity looks to the future for fulfillment. The first worst thing you, you can do to a human being is to remove future. <laughs> and so if there's very little future, or there's a possibility that there may not be a lot of future, then at first it will bring out a lot of fear, of course, uh, and despair. But if you have already become familiar with the practice of presence, the practice of awareness, then it may become easier and you can allow the situation. The expression I use is to force you into intense presence so that you don't look to the future anymore and you don't look to the past anymore because you know the moment you look to the future you begin to suffer and you begin to have fear so if you allow the situation to push you into intense present moment awareness and i've known several people who were able to do that and i'm sure there are many others whom i don't know who are also were also able to do that allow the situation to force you into intense presence. And sometimes that can happen. Usually it happens after you suffer for a period of time, and then you just can't stand the suffering anymore. And then you become intensely present, and that's the end of the suffering. But that presence can also be very healing. In some cases, intense presence, which pervades the entire body, intense presence pervades every cell of the body, is extremely healing. In that state of presence, you're not fighting an illness. That's very important. Many people have the idea that you know, they need to fight this illness. I don't believe that is the most effective way of dealing with an illness to have the inner attitude that you're fighting an enemy. I'm going to kill you, they say to that thing that wants to kill them. <laughs> so instead of fighting an illness, first step would be acceptance of the present moment, this is what is, and then 
an intensification of the presence in the present moment. I have had read some accounts of healings that have happened to people who were suffering from potentially fatal illnesses. In many cases, healing happened not because they were fighting an illness, but because they surrendered not to the idea of illness, but to whatever they're experiencing at this present moment. So when I talk about surrender, which means acceptance, you don't accept, oh, I have to accept that I'm going to die in a year. No, that's not real acceptance. Or I have to accept that I'm a cancer sufferer. That's not acceptance. That's a narrative in your mind. Acceptance is always refers to this moment. What are you experiencing at this moment? Maybe you're not experiencing anything in particular, you just accept, or they experience some disability, or you experience some dysfunction, or even pain, acceptance of this moment, and then intensification of presence. In some cases, healing happens. But whether or not healing happens is a secondary matter. Uh, if you use the illness to force you into intense presence, then you can you die before you die in a good sense and there's a flowering of consciousness that takes place through you that would not have happened without the illness i've personally known several people who have experienced that and some died a year later six months later it no longer mattered because there was an intensification of consciousness and there was already a light shining through them the personality or the ego dissolved completely in that intense presence. In some cases, it can even happen. I remember reading an account a few years ago. In England, there was a famous musician. I don't remember the name. And he had this account. It was published in the Times in London, I think. He was diagnosed with potentially fatal cancer. He went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you don't have that much longer. It's already spread throughout the body. And then he's in, he was interviewed, and then he said he walked out of the doctor's office, and he had had no spiritual, any kind of spiritual preparation before. And this is very rare. He walked out of the office, and he suddenly became intensely conscious of, intensely aware of everything. He was looking at the sky, he was looking at the trees, and everything was amazing in its intensity of aliveness. And he said, why didn't I live like that before? What, what is this? This is very rare for most people. Suffering comes first and then they surrender. But with this person, there was an immediate shift into intense presence. And he had never been present before. <laughs> and he said how, how wonderful this life is every moment, every, every second. And there's no, not even a need to cling to anything, not even need how much longer am I going to experience this. Even those questions disappeared. So there's a great opportunity when something like that happens uh, for an intensification and acceleration, one could almost say, of spiritual awakening. So if that happens to you or anybody I'm talking to or anybody you know, potentially 
it can be an intensification and acceleration of awakening if you use it in that way. How to advise somebody who's never had any contact with this, any kind of spiritual teaching before is difficult. And you cannot advise somebody whether or not to go on with treatment or not because uh, you cannot take that responsibility for them. If they are very afraid of death, then whatever their decision is will probably be I will suffer even for another six months of life. I'll rather suffer than to die six months earlier <laughs> because they are so afraid of death. They have not gone beyond identification with the body, with the psychological entity, the me. So anybody who is here with us, of course, is much better prepared to deal with a situation like that when it, if it arises. At some point, of course, death will come to everybody. We don't know when it, when it will come, but it, at some point, death will no longer be tomorrow. It will be today. <laughs> and therefore, it's so important to die to the surface, I call it the surface self, the egoic self that's based on the past, the personality, and find, and we come back here to the vertical dimension of presence, find that before death comes, then you are prepared for death. And not only are you prepared for death, if you see it approaching, you will become, the, your presence will only intensify. And that is how any, anything that's normally regarded as negative, any, any kind of disaster, it doesn't have to be an illness, can also have that function. Let's say you lose everything. You lose your marriage, you lose your job, you lose your home all at once. It does happen, it does happen to people. And again, when disaster strikes, there's always another side to it. There's potentially, there's an opening into the transcendent dimension and a deepening can happen. And it happens most likely when you're experiencing some kind of challenge, whatever form, loss, death, big upheavals, then that drives the evolution of consciousness. The suffering that's created by that leads to the transcendence, potentially to the transcendence of suffering. And that drives the evolution of consciousness. All the challenges of life, and they are manifold, all the challenges of life that human, every human experiences inevitably, they are the driving force behind the evolution of consciousness. And that includes death. <laughs> so all this is a, what we are engaged in here is to do with finding death before death finds us. And then realize that there is no death and it's no longer just a belief. There's nothing wrong with the belief, but quite often the belief is not quite enough. It doesn't free you from the deep fear of death in many cases. There's actually a realization of the deep I that is beyond the physical you and beyond the psychological you. And that's, in fact, to bring it to the most simple terms, when you stop thinking for a moment 
and awareness remains. I mentioned it before in our session at the beginning. There's a cessation of thinking, which means the entire personality subsides, the person. Because when you're not thinking about yourself or anything, you're not the person. <laughs> thinking subsides, there's a moment of spacious awareness. And again, as I said before, that's a little death. Then thinking resumes. And I call that you reincarnate into the entity again. And then you step out of thinking and there's pure awareness. You die again. And the more you die in that way, the more deeply you realize that death is not something that needs to be feared. So die daily. That's, I don't know who's, there was one saint, I think, who said that. Die daily, die as much as you can <laughs> by uh, inviting the cessation of the otherwise incessant stream of thinking. And there's a spacious awareness, you're dead. When you are dead, there's something that's left that's intensely alive. <laughs> so I, I hope that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. Eckhart, our next question is a written question. If, quote, consciousness is gradually arising, unquote, that implies time. So how can there be no need for time to awaken? Right. It sounds like a paradox, and it is. So how do we explain that? Let's find an analogy. Let's say there's a, you have a lamp, a lamp, a table lamp with a lampshade. So there's a light bulb and there's a lampshade. And the lampshade, let's say the lampshade is very dense, so it lets, uh, lets through very little light from the, from the source of light. But gradually, for various reasons, the shade, the light shade, loses some of its density and more light begins to shine through gradually. So the light represents the, the light is timeless. But as the, the, this is, we're talking about the light of consciousness here in this analogy, the light is, comes from the light of consciousness emanates from the, a transcendent dimension. It, it, the consciousness does not have a location in space or time. And so there's an emanation of consciousness in the same way that it emanates from a lamp or the sun. And the light that emanates, the consciousness that emanates into this dimension, what that we call the universe, not just this planet, the entire universe in all galaxies, there's a gradual intensification of the light that, that reaches this dimension. The light itself is timeless. So consciousness doesn't grow as such. It's only in this dimension, it can manifest more fully and we measure that through the temporal time here. On this planet, the planet most likely started with just mineral. There was nothing. 
And then at some point there was the first plant life and then gradually other life forms came over millions and millions of years with many setbacks, many setbacks, not a, not a continuous progression. And after each setback, there was a, again an intensification, a renewal of life. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All on one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. So gradually, there's, uh, there's more consciousness. The life forms become more complex here on this planet and therefore everywhere else. And you can, in humans too, humans evolve gradually with many setbacks. Yes, often regressive periods happen, not only to an individual, but also the collective of humanity can experience regression in this. It's not a continuous ascent to higher consciousness, but there is a movement, an evolutionary movement here, and that takes time. So it takes time for the this dimension that is timeless to manifest itself in this world. And so I sometimes on a personal level, on a human level, I sometimes say, you need time before you fully realize that you don't need time. To, to be yourself. <laughs> Sometimes it requires time you need. To, in other words, you practice meditation, you have spiritual practices. Every meditation kind of takes time. You say, okay, I'm going to meditate for 15 minutes now or half an hour. And you might even sometimes open your eyes and see how much longer do I have to, 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 to meditate now. Any practice takes time. Any spiritual practice takes time. Inevitably, and that is the greatest obstacle also, if you do practice meditation, uh, meditation can be quite helpful, but if uh, you, you want to achieve something through your meditation, become a better meditator, or you want to achieve some kind of state, hoping to achieve a state of enlightenment through meditation, you're already creating time. And that becomes the greatest obstacle because you're, you're still moving in the realm of becoming instead of being. For most people who, practice, who do a spiritual practice, they are on the level of becoming. I want to reach this level. There's a future they want to reach. <laughs> and paradoxically, that prevents them from finding the vertical dimension, the being dimension. If, you, if through your meditation you be, want to become an enlightened human, 
then that idea that you want to become an enlightened human is the greatest obstacle to your to the realization of who you are as an enlightened being. Enlightened means to to know who you are on the on the deepest level. Now the Buddha, as a good example of Buddha's life, he practiced the most arduous and austere spiritual practices for many years when the Buddha was a young man, because he wanted to become enlightened. <laughs> And it didn't work. He, he almost starved himself to death as part of his spiritual practice. That's the story goes, and I believe it's true, that it was transmitted from 2,500 years ago. And at some point, the Buddha says, I've had enough. I'm not, this is my uh, paraphrase. <laughs> I've had enough, he said. I've done with becoming. I'm done with this. And he sat under a tree. And he already had disciples at that point. And the disciples left him. They said, he's lost it. He's no longer practicing. <laughs> so all his disciples went away. And then he was left alone under a tree. He was no longer trying to get anywhere. And he sat under the tree. And he sat under a tree. And that's where his realization happened. He had left the realm of becoming. And he found the dimension of being. Now the question is, one could ask, as sometimes people have asked, would he have found this being dimension if he had not gone through the attempt at becoming for, for such a long time? Would he still, nobody can answer that question. Perhaps yes, perhaps no. Was it necessary for him to do all these practices to come to the point of realization that spiritual awakening is not something that can be found in time in the future? We don't know. Some people might say, well, why, why didn't he start with that and sat under, just instead of going through all this, why don't he just sit under a tree? Well, this is not how it happened. Perhaps he needed to go through this. Perhaps he needed time in order to realize that he did not need time. <laughs> and that is a paradox. You can't remove the fact that there is a paradox here because we are operating on the level of becoming and language itself is becoming to do is on that level of time. But we are pointing to something that's beyond that. And therefore paradox arises. So that really is the, you cannot remove the paradox, but perhaps this, the story may help you and uh, that you may need time, a bit more time before you realize that you don't need it. <laughs> and perhaps the time has come now. You realize that you cannot awaken in the future. You, you can only awaken by going deeply into the present. This is really what is meant by that. Perhaps one more question. Hi, Kurt. I'm so grateful for um, the opportunity to talk to you today. Just want to say that uh, your teaching uh, found me at an important time in my life. And uh, I'm so grateful for everything you did and for everything you're doing right now. So my question is today, and it's interesting with everything you you said because I'm from a place of achieving a lot 
and something happened to me and um, I realized that it's not that important for me to achieve big thing in my life instead of just being present to to realize what I want to do with with my life with my time with my husband and with my my kids and and everything so I feel that all the foundation of what I did before just doesn't matter anymore but my family and my colleagues and everybody tried to achieve so many things in their lives uh, and and their work and um, so my question is I suffered from depression and burnouts and I feel that everybody around me are in that kind of state and a lot of anxiety and and so I'm wondering right now are we cluttering too much of our mind with so many information to become something that I don't want to say that doesn't really matter but how can someone arrive at something in their life that they want to do without cluttering their mind with so many stuff that you become burnout and depressed and anxiety are always in your day. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So the most important thing is to be uh, as much as possible rooted in the vertical dimension of life so that uh, you're as present as possible. And sometimes as people realize, beginning, beginning to realize this dimension, sometimes they lose interest completely in achieving things in the outer world. Yes. Some of this may be happening to you also. And that is a, almost a natural thing that happens to many people. Some people temporarily even lose the ability to, to do things because they so become so, so deeply immersed in being that they, they uh, can't be bothered with achieving or becoming. I had a little bit, or not a little bit, quite a bit of that when I first went through a shift in consciousness. For quite some time, I lost interest in future, my, my so-called future. In fact, I never really regained that much interest in my future, but I lost interest in planning and doing for a while. For many people, after a while, they realize that they still live in this dimension. And to lead a balanced life, it is best not to completely ignore the demands perhaps that this dimension places upon you, the dimension of becoming and doing, the doing dimension. You can regain your ability to do, but in a different way from before. Because before, when, when you do things without having this deep connectedness with being, then doing is all there is to your life and you seek some kind of fulfillment through the doing. You're always like the famous thing, the, the, the carrot, the dangling a carrot in front of the donkey. The donkey is running towards the carrot, but he doesn't know that he can never reach the carrot. And so humans are sometimes obsessively consumed by doing. 
wanting to achieve some kind of success which ultimately never satisfies for very long and then the next thing comes so there's a seriousness behind the way in which people are engaged in doing when this happens they're very serious about it and stress it creates a lot of stress arises which is bad for you it's bad for the body it's bad for your consciousness <laughs> stress means you are you want to be there but you are here yes <laughs> basically so the gap between there and here or now and then creates stress for example you may be you are in this particular location maybe you're sitting in your car or or, or whatever but you need to be some other location and you'd rather be there but you can't get there quite yet so this mentally you create stress there's a pull between here and there <laughs> i am here but i want to be there it works all on the dimension of time this is now but i want to be there then when i when i finish this i need to finish this task because i want to get to the end of this thing that i'm doing now in order to arrive at the end of this doing and you're projecting yourself mentally you're more there than here you're not completely present in what you do because you 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 want it to be over with i want to because there's the next thing to do after that and the next thing after that you never arrive really because when you achieve this there's the next thing that you're striving towards this is not a healthy or constructive way of doing and you're creating a lot of unhappiness for yourself and even others around you so people who, who live in that way and millions of people do they make themselves unhappy and they make others unhappy whoever is around them some people are bosses of big companies and this everybody is under continuous stress they all this they all ultimately one could almost say insane and miraculously the company still survives but everybody is unhappy <laughs> so what when you are not motivated by this how what how, how does the doing arise when you are rooted in being first of all what you do might change you may see that there are the things that you've been doing before are not really really something that you truly enjoy you might find something else that you enjoy the level of enjoyment comes into the doing the needing the outcome lessens diminish to need a particular outcome to your doing becomes secondary yes i want to achieve this or get there but you you have the ability to actually be completely present with what you do which means you even enjoy what you do in the moment the doing of the moment becomes more important than the place that you want to get to in the future that is a sign that you becomes you become more conscious in your doing and then it does also does not mean that there cannot be intense energy to what you do because you might have some wonderful project that you want to uh, create achieve and there's this great enjoyment in the doing and you have to be very careful that the old egoic way of doing could reassert itself and you can detect it for example when an obstacle comes in 
because whenever you want to do something, you're likely to encounter occasionally obstacles to where you want to get to in the form of other humans or in the form of situations that you encounter. You get there's a delay or people, people don't do what they're supposed to do or you're, you fail at something, an obstacle arises and how you respond to an obstacle uh, can give you good feedback of where, whether there's still egoic uh, mindset behind the doing. An obstacle, when an obstacle arises, when you're present, is immediately accepted. Oh, and so you, you, you look at the obstacle and then instead of focusing on what's wrong or complaining, about this um, this human being or the, instead of that you immediately fo focus on the net what's possible now so you, can i walk around this obstacle or can i transform it into something good if there's never a complaining there's never a, there's not a resistance there's an immediately alignment with the present moment so you're not stressed when an obstacle appears you don't get negative when an obstacle you immediately you look at it oh and you know that obstacles are bound to appear in whatever work you do, you will encounter challenges and obstacles, and they're no longer something negative. That means you're, you're present in what you do. So you're, the obstacle is transformed often into something helpful, and it's not, suddenly it's no longer an obstacle. Uh, the most important thing then is what you want to achieve, yes, you know what you want to achieve, but it's secondary because there's enjoyment in the doing. And if you achieve it, you're, it's fine, you're great, achieved it. It doesn't produce an unrealistic high in you. Wow, I have achieved it. Because a few days later, you, you may experience a corresponding low. <laughs> because it hasn't satisfied you for long enough, whatever it may be. Another thing that is, there's a playfulness that comes, a little bit of a playful attitude when you're engaged in doing. The seriousness goes out of it yes. when you're present with what you do. And that's very important because the when you look at the world, people that are kind of deadly serious in wherever you look, in, whether it's in business or commerce or politics or wherever you, you, you look. There's a, and that goes out there is a certain detachment because you don't need the externals to function in a particular way for, to make you happy. You don't need the outcome to make you happy. You don't need to have no challenges in order to be happy. <laughs> That's so a playfulness. The, this is the world of, you play in the world of form. Yes, there can be an intensity of doing, but not the, not the seriousness. And then if somebody comes, you immediately will be, get angry with them. This is so, so important. This is so important. And you realize nothing is that important. There are many things that are, they might be relatively important, but not absolutely important. So less attachment or no attachment to outcome, the result of the action, enjoyment of what you're doing, 
When obstacles arise, there's no negativity that they produce. The obstacle is immediately accepted and then enter the uh, enjoyment, enjoyment in the doing and a playfulness, a playfulness, lack of, lack of dead, dead seriousness of <laughs> uh, that, that changes. So you may find that you, you, are, you are able to do things, but the entire energy behind your doing has shifted. So life is much more enjoyable. And um, there may be a period when you do very little, you just be, or you do just routine things, because there may be periods when you don't need to achieve anything. And there are some humans who, I call them frequency holders, humans who, are, who have no particular big project, goal that they want to achieve they're happy with the little things in the present and that's fine too if they can sustain presence for example you let's say you're a gardener and you can sustain presence without losing presence in if, if you have routine activities if you're not challenged and you have routine activities the danger is that you lose presence because um, when life goes too smoothly, let's say you're, you're a gardener, you just want to be a peaceful life as a gardener, it's fine. Let's say you have 10 years of no challenges, you're just, you have a regular, small but regular income and a very peaceful life as a gardener. It might be work for you. There's a danger though, with, without any challenge, that gradually the, the, your degree of presence would diminish because we need the challenges. Challenges come in two kinds. Challenges that you create for yourself, they're good too. If you have a project, let's say you want to write a book or a song or whatever, that's a challenge you create for yourself and that's good. Then there are challenges that you haven't created that come seemingly from the outside and suddenly something appears, represents a big challenge in your life. So there's the self-created challenges and they, they're good. And there are challenges from outside. Both of them are very helpful. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, we have come to the end of our session. And uh, let's just enter a moment of just stillness or beingness, just aware. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All in one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. 
She's a small business owner too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.